Good evening, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of the Town End podcast. Um, another good win for Dundalk FC tonight. 3 0 over Waterford down in the RSC. As always, I'm joined with Andrew Gallagher, Chris Clark, and Stefan McKevitt. Uh, will be in very, very shortly. Uh, there he is. Before we, uh, he's on time tonight. Before we, uh, before we get kicked off and talk about the match, just a quick reminder that we're giving away a signed Dundalk FC jersey and signed football um, for auction. But uh, current bid is at six hundred euro. All proceeds will go to save our Sonia. So if you want to make a bid, throw it in the comments now, and we'll announce a winner at the very end of the show. All right, lads. Uh, a good win tonight. Much improved performance again. Uh, Gally, what do you think of that? Brilliant. Um, I I wouldn't say we are excellent. I would say we were very good. I think we are value for the three three nil. I know there's we we probably start a little bit even Stevens with Waterford, but then we kind of just it's not that like we hit second gear, but we seem to control the game more than we have in other matches. I think we were very relaxed looking. I think Sahiba was very. Um, I wouldn't say he's box to box. I would have said he was more of a kind of a, a reliant midfielder with Shields. I think they, they complement each other very well. Um, yeah, look, I mean, 3 0, it didn't, it, it probably flattered us a little bit. Waterford probably were definitely due a goal or two. But then at the same, on the flip side of that, we should have had about 17 penalties in the first half. I mean, the amount of handballs that weren't given was frightening. I mean, on the balance of play, we definitely should have had a penalty, one penalty. Um, so you could argue 4 2 maybe, but. Look at arguing probabilities won't get your points. It's a it's a it's a fantastic win for Jim and the boys. It's it's, it's exactly what we needed. Definitely, Steph. Yeah, like a, a lot of the stuff Gally was saying there. Um, yeah, I'd agree with. I think there was a lot of games at the start of the year where we we nearly drew or we drew games and we were saying, Jesus, we've we've stole it there. Like whereas we're saying tonight. Waterford could have got one or two, but then they would have stole a draw as well. Like so, I think the performance has improved again from last week. Uh, a couple of standout performers as well. Um, we'll get to that later on, I suppose. But yeah, it's all, it's all, it's uh, much improved, and everyone's a bit more positive about it, about everything. Like so, it's great. Definitely, Chris. Yeah, I think Steph's been holding the cards tight to his chest there with his man in a match, so definitely he's going against me again this time, I can tell. <laughs> um, yeah, performance tonight, I think that's probably our best first half in particular um, that we've had all season. Um, finally look um, dangerous on set pieces too. So it's been a while. Like That used to be our trait as a team that we would score if you were to give away a, a free kick or a corner. It was We were always with a chance of scoring against you. So it, it was good to see that, you know, Duffy whipping in the, the free kick that we got our first from, and then it was a Duffy corner that ended up with a bit of chaos in the box that we won the penalty for us. So it's, it goes to show that we're, we have that back in our locker. Maybe it's something we've been working on. Um, I can see from plenty of comments coming in that people are going to agree with my man of the match so far. So <laughs> this could be a, uh, this could be a competitive one tonight, lads. For uh, unless Steph goes against me as per usual, but let's just say <laughs> the top six people so far all commented all have agreed. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't believe they all got it wrong. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all the majority counts on this, but yeah, no. Overall, a much better display. Second half, we were probably uh, probably not used to leading <laughs> into a game, and maybe that's what came back to 
nerves kind of maybe set in a little. We we got a little complacent from time to time. Some of the passing kind of started going astray a touch as well. Um, and look, we, we definitely got a bit of luck with the two that hit the uprights. So look, we'll take that. First clean sheet in, well, it was the cup match, I presume, was our that last long, clean sheet. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's a long time coming. Um, and, and like the difference, even that result now is done for a goal difference. Like that puts us equal on goal difference and points with Drahada tonight. So we're right smack bang in the middle um, of the table. That was the plan. That was always that, the plan from the start of the season. <laughs> once you stay with Drahada. Equal points with Drahada and goal difference. Boom. In. <laughs> <laughs> on the first round of games done it <laughs> yeah but yeah no I, I think it was a, a much improved performance you know again going off what all of you have said I, I think the first half we were very very good I mean it could have been it could have been six or seven in the first half the amount of chances that we had um, and, and even later in the game you know um, Junior Gally's favourite striker had a couple of chances he hit the post hit the crossbar as well himself you know so while Waterford had had opportunities, we could have also scored a few more, you know. But I feel like um, let's let's call a spade a spade. Look, Waterford seemed to be in the same kind of turmoil right now that we were in a couple of weeks back. Um, at their live podcast is probably they're talking about how bad tonight was, like we were a few weeks ago. But uh, you know, we can only play out what's in front of us. We got a clean sheet. We got a few goals. You have you have to be happy with that, and you have to be happy with that yeah. first half performance as well. You know, they, Waterford had their chances. They didn't score them, and they they were the breaks that we were getting at the start of the season when Pat Hoban was uh, or Hoban, sorry, when Hoban was hitting the post and hitting the crossbar and things like that. You know, we had that that lack of luck, so so we got luck on our side. Uh, and people always say that throughout the season, it all kind of balances out. But yeah, I I thought it was overall. I thought it was a, a good performance, and um. It just bodes well for when we go in against against tougher opposition. Yeah, I think if, if three points is vital, three points are more important. But the fact that we got a clean sheet, we've been crying out for a clean sheet for a long time. Hopefully, that's the start of something new. But yeah, keeping a clean sheet vital. I mean, it's, it's the obvious thing to say. But as long as you don't concede, you're guaranteed a point in the game of football. But it's it's an, it's it's a starting block of something, and that's a, a, a valuable point tonight. But Clean sheet for me was is the number one priority as well, and it's 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 just a nice combination of both. Absolutely, I I suppose just one quick one before we bring in our first guest that I um that I wanted to bring up. I, I noticed tonight every week we've been talking about how good Jokovskis was or has been this season, and he was started out on the left again with Domigan on the right. Domigan I actually thought played pretty well tonight, um, but what's your thoughts on Jokovskis and Michael Duffy? playing on the same side because I just felt like there was no room for Jakovskis to do what he does best because Duffy plays so wide all the time as well so I'd just be interested in your thoughts on that one Yeah, Anyone I think they occupy the same part of the pitch higher up and I think we kind of have to watch that because it's it's a potential way of getting at us as well because it's going to if, if we're caught out on that it's a lot of room in behind to play the ball in and down the channels and really stretch us and, and that can put Boyle and Cleary out of position then and, and we've seen we've got caught out on that already this year um, when they're having to cover for people so yeah, I still think we're, they're probably at a gelling in position but um, like I think Tchaikovskis has a lot of a lot of really good traits he seems to have a very good cross on him we've, we've seen his touch and cross for um, McMillan's goal against Drogheda you know he, he has that in the locker and I think yeah. 
we will we'll eventually figure out a system to play the two of them um, and they'll probably understand each other's game a bit more. Maybe someone else needs to look if Djokovic has moved up the pitch, does someone else need to move into his role and, and cover that earlier? I don't know. That'll be that'll be something for Jim or somebody to make and um, to decide on <laughs> who's the manager. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it was just something that I noticed in the first half, so it'll be interesting to see um, see what happens there. Because as I say, I just felt like Djokovic didn't have the space to do what he does best, you know. Um, but look, we, we'll move on because we've got a, a, our first guest of the night, um, another busy man, the pioneer of Dundalk FC podcast, Mr. Ken Sloan. Ken, how's it going? Very good, thanks. And, and all the better now after we got that win uh, tonight. I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of positives to take first clean sheet, three points, obviously, and more players beginning to look like their old selves. And um, I, I thought Michael Duffy was looking back to his best. We saw him really raiding. Great to see him getting on the score sheet. And I think that when we were playing that sort of 4-3-3 or more more orthodox 4-3-3, I think that never really suited him. I think, you know, a key thing to football, uh, not claiming to be anything more than a fan, not aspiring to, to be an expert in any ways, but I think you've got to play players in their natural position if you want to get the best out of them. And Michael is a left winger in most people's reckoning. And I think we began to see him getting back to his old self today. It was interesting to look at the makeup of the midfield uh still a big question i suppose in a lot of people's mind is how exactly the sahibo and shields partnership is gonna work they do look like players with quite similar instincts and characteristics and i think you mentioned yourselves how sahibo um before his arrival you know he's considered a defensive midfielder as is chris so to see the two of them in tandem was interesting we saw them interchange a lot we even saw patrick McElhenney drop back uh, at times, so that it seems that trio can pretty much fill in for one another. Now, it's not a conventional approach. It's not what we've done over the last few years, but it will be interesting to see whether those three players can gel together. But generally speaking, I think we saw a team that is gelling, is building in confidence and belief. And that probably is because they've got now a guy in the dressing room who is a serious football man with a serious pedigree, and that's Jim Magilton. And I know that's one of the big questions is Jim has strenuously denied that he's interested in the role full time. But it just goes to show, you know, that when you do have somebody who can inspire the players, that X factor, which is confidence, um, that, that can return and, and suddenly you're beginning to look more like a functioning team again. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think I think we've just seen a couple of maybe green shoots of a team settling in here. And I think even looking at some of the comments tonight, people are saying, look, it's just more important probably to get back to back wins to, to get in, even if Waterford are a poor side. And and I think of even how we've performed as a club over the past while, and then you're looking at Waterford now, I think we all know what it feels like to have press ascending upon you and then all of a sudden you look like the circus. So it, it was, you know, it, it can happen so easy to any club. But I think it just goes to show that when we finally start playing a more settled side, we can start pulling some results out as well. And do you think is the settling of the first team part of that? Uh, yeah, I definitely think... Um... You know, you need a you need a structure that suits the players, and I I think we we had probably at the start of the season, even maybe towards the end of last season, began to 
experiment with formations and with selections and introduce a lot of roll on roll off changes that you could almost you know time regardless of how the game was going it just seemed to be set in the thinking of the the coaches that they would change particular players at particular moments really i mean rather than trying to squeeze players into a formation of your choosing you really have to look at what you have and and um decide you know well with these players what best suits them and I think we, we know from past experience, the players who have been around the club for a while, we know what suits them. And, you know, it's not unexpected that players who are played in a new position or out of position will, will suffer. I suppose we're going we're gonna to put that to the test now. Uh, like, I mean, we've unfortunately, it we, looks like we've got injuries to both Hoban and, or Huben and um, McMillan at the same time. So Junior... I know Junior has been coming in for a bit of criticism and, and his performances perhaps haven't been to everybody's liking. But uh, I, for me, he's he's a centre-forward. That's where he's played his most effective football. And we've sort of used him on the right of a tree or as an orthodox right-sided midfielder, winger type. Not really his position. I imagine, you know, if we had played Patrick Huben or David McMillan on the right wing, their form would suffer as well. Now... Oh, we're not sure exactly the extent of McMillan's injury, um, but he may not be ready for Monday. So it's quite likely that Junior will now get a chance to lead the line. We're going to be reliant on him um, to see to, to kind of prove himself. It was looking like a bit of a luxury that we had so many centre forwards, but with two of them suddenly injured, you know, it looks like you know Junior is now going to get his chance to lead the line. And I think if played in his natural position and given a decent supply he could get the goals that would hopefully see us continue our good form and get another three points on Monday. Yeah, well, well, just going back to like that point on Junior, I think when he played the second half against Bowes up top, he looked quite lively and he, and he scored as well. Like So it will be interesting to see how he gets on. I, like, I know Gally's a big fan of him, but yeah, he's been coming up. He's been coming under a, under a bit of stick for his, his play, like, but he's been played out of position. So, um, we'll we'll judge him on the next few games if if he gets the run up top like yeah and that that is one of the things which is a little bit unfortunate in that um I think our squad while full of quality players is perhaps not as balanced as it could be and that we seem to have multiple options in particular positions but really only one option in others and one of the things that we would have talked about a lot was the absence of an out and out box to box midfielder. And maybe you know somebody who can fill in the number ten role when Patrick Duffy or sorry, when uh, Patrick McElhenney isn't isn't around, um, so or isn't fit. I, I think we know you know we have that conundrum in midfield where, as regards deep lying anchorman midfielders, we seem to have Sloggett, Shields, Zahibo, and even Stanton. His in- instincts seem to be you know just kind of drift into that sort of quarterback role. And um, really, if Sean Murray isn't fit or if Patrick McElhenney isn't fit that that sort of 8 and 10 role uh, has to be done by somebody who isn't a natural in that position um, so likewise that's it's a little bit disappointing that although you know um, our owners are you know saying in their defence that they've spent a lot of money and they've invested a lot in the squad it seems that we have um, not really addressed some of the areas we don't have the strength and depth that we need and perhaps we have too many players in other positions. I think we'd be doing you an injustice, Ken, if we brought you on today and didn't discuss um, our chairman's comments during the week. I mean, 
what I, it, it's it's always a topic of discussion for yourselves on on your podcast. So, I mean, what what's your thoughts on on the interview? Well, yeah, that's the origin of our podcast. Actually, the first the, <laughs> first, the first episode we ever had was pretty much. Uh, um, we had a podcast with Gavin about the takeover and whether or not we thought it was a good thing or not. And I suppose it's it's been a it's been a mixed bag. I mean, Peak Six have under their tenure now. They're here four years. We've had two league titles, two FAI Cups, and then we've had the last twelve months, which have been a very different story. There's real mixed messages in the interview. Um, you can look at some of the comments, and um, some of them seem quite you know, uh, bullish and defiant. Uh, comments like, you know, if anybody wants to run the club better, they can slap their money down and buy it off me. I don't think that's going to ingratiate the current no. chairman to fans. I, I don't think it's a good idea to take that sort of, I've got more cash than you approach. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it is. It is. I'm not disputing that they are the owners and they do have lots of money, <laughs> you know, that the two do yeah. go together. But I mean, fans... Fans bond with the club is primarily emotional, and um, it's not like uh, an insurance company where you just switch to another one if you're not getting the service you want. Uh, so, so kind of you know talking talking in that tone isn't very encouraging, and I don't think it'll do much to heal the rift um, between the owners and the fans at the moment. Uh, I think it would be more likely to antagonize them and create more anger. And ultimately, we don't really want there to be a division between the owners and the board and the fans. We, we, I, I would define our period of success as having been achieved through harmony. It seemed yeah. that players, backroom staff, boardroom, fans, the whole town, and eventually the whole country when we kind of got the got to the on the 2016 run they were all behind us you know and, and everybody had this tremendous feeling of unity and pulling in the one direction and and everybody sort of reinforcing everybody else's efforts and that togetherness um it is damaged when comments like that are made you know mm-hmm. and uh, so i think that was an unfortunate tone but there was also a modicum of reflection uh, there was an admission that mistakes had been made although what those mistakes were weren't specified. No, we didn't admit that part. <laughs> yeah, no, and and also like so, you know, I I I would think some big calls have been made, and I think most people would admit that, um, you know, like one of the curious things was for the chairman to say, I don't know what the fans' fears are, uh, I don't know what sort of their problem is. Uh, we're mm-hmm. we're doing this, we're doing that, and like I, I I wouldn't want to dismiss all the good things that have been done. Um, you know, there, there, there has been investment on the playing side of things, but also we've inflicted some terrible on, on goals on ourselves um, mm-hmm. by not retaining players who had a lot more to offer and could have been retained. And I don't think anybody wanted to see them leave. But in addition to that, it's not all about money. I mean, I think there's a way of treating folks decently um, that costs nothing. And I think the fact that players, you know, like Dane Massey and, and John Mountney were sort of let go in the manner they were um, without so much as, you know, a, a thank you for your contribution probably is not not really what most fans wanted to see. And not only do I think they still have a contribution to make to the squad, but we all know that our, our heroes leave and eventually we do have to say goodbye to players that we're very fond of. That That's inevitable. But I think there's a manner in which you can do that um, which can kind of 
um, keep a certain spirit there. And when Dan Massey kind of commented that the club wasn't the club that he recognised and was no longer doing things uh, in the way that they had been done before as regards creating that sense of inclusion and harmony among players and fans, I think that was a really sad admission. And it's one that those in power would really want to take notice of. Uh, because I think if we are to compete again, we really need to uh, get that sense of harmony back. I don't think, like it takes, you know, it's it's such an achievement. It, it takes so much to win a league title that you really need everything being done right. And you need everybody pulling in the one direction. And even when you do that, sometimes somebody just does it a little bit better than you and you miss out. But I don't think if we're a house divided with this clear division between ownership and and the fan base and decisions being made which the fans really think are taking us in the wrong direction and an attitude of well it's my club I'll do what I like uh, as a response uh, that doesn't bode well so I suppose most of us will something we, we've discussed at length is is this sort of a, a culture clash is this an American mm -hmm. way of doing things like um, you know, um, uh, Dean would probably know uh, the American model of, of franchise owners usually implies a direct role for the owner in the big banner um, signings or, or maybe big decisions. It's more common in the in the NFL or the NHL for an owner to be known, to be making the headlines, to be making big calls. So maybe Bill just sees himself in that mold. But what we would probably prefer, given the decisions that have been made and their impact over the last year or so is for him to be a traditional league of ireland chairman which is somebody aloof from the game who's a sort of steward and guardian of the values of the club but who doesn't see a role for themselves in the dressing room because i think that is that is something that we can have with you know every every fan has an opinion but it's really mm -hmm. dangerous to put somebody without much expertise or experience or qualifications in charge of decisions because i suppose we'd all like to believe we're secretly jose Mourinho if we weren't uh just doing something else in life but the fact is that fans have the luxury of never really having their decisions tested but if a non-expert you know gains control and insists that they have a role in the dressing room and they realign the dressing room so that only people who are going to give them that role in it are there then it's not conducive to being competitive or or winning championships. So I think what, what most fans won't really want to see is, um, you know, a restoration of the dressing room running itself and the boardroom looking at the wider issues of the club, but not deciding who we sign. That's got to be, to me, that's got to be the manager's job. And yeah. I think the next appointment will be very telling because it seems that, you know, Filippo was a great guy, an affable guy, a nice man but technically didn't have the qualifications to do the job. And that caused us no end of difficulty, heavy fines and him in the stand. And that wasn't good for anybody. So no reflection on him personally, but literally he didn't have the qualifications to do the job. Um, he, was, he may have been selected because he was amenable to the chairman's um, viewpoint. He would listen to the chairman and he would try and implement his wishes. Now, if a manager is merely to become like a middle manager like that, somebody who just takes orders from above and tries to implement them, like any middle manager does in any large organization, I don't think that works in football. Like Steph would probably be able to talk about that, about what it takes for a dressing room to function. But I do think you need a manager who everybody knows is 
the boss. He is dictating how things work on the football field. And he isn't looking over his shoulder waiting for a phone call from upstairs to tell him what to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think... I think, Jim, I think go on, Seth, sorry. No, just on that point about the, like, the dressing room and stuff like that, like, the manager is the person you look to. If things, are, if things aren't going right, the manager will be like the one that will step in. You need a strong personality there, someone that you're going to listen to, someone with a bit of authority. When when all that was happening previously, I'm sure the players like used that as an excuse just to, like, that's an easy way out. If, so, if something's not going right, oh, sure, look, Shane Keegan's the manager, Filippo's the manager, you know, so it, it was an easy excuse for them. Like, things weren't going right, so it was a cop out, but hopefully we're past all that now and I hope we can get the right personality in. Well, I think, you know, you, you mentioned personality. I think we'll we'll know a lot from the appointment of the next manager. I mean, I, I think right now the team is probably benefiting from being able to look to a man who is an international that played at a very high level, that has managed clubs that, in fairness, like we all love Dundalk, but we, we probably know that Ipswich and QPR are bigger clubs, you know. So when you can look to a, an international player with a good career behind them, as, as a player, you, you know that when they give you an instruction, just instinctively, you're going to take that seriously. And I know everybody has got to begin somewhere, and we do get exceptions to that. Like Stephen Kenny wasn't an international player or anything like it, but he had other qualities which made him an inspirational manager. And, of course, he had the qualifications and the experience. I think what most Dundalk, what most Dundalk fans would like to see is, you know, I think it would be good for everybody. It would be good for the chairman as well because the mood will lift as results get better. And I think there is a route back to Bill so that if he if he adopts a more traditional chairman role of you know looking after the affairs of the club but not really getting involved in team affairs we we will know that that's going to be more likely if we get a strong manager and jim Magilton has talked about dundalk players needing a strong manager uh, with a lot of personality who can inspire them i think that's correct um if we get another manager who doesn't have those attributes but looks like they've been selected because they'll be a they'll be an unquestioning ear to the the boardroom i think we're likely to see a repetition of all the 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 inconsistency and the poor league form that we've had um for the last year or so that's when the so the comment that bill made um that jim's going to tell him who he wants and then he'll tell him who he can't have I'd be a bit worried about that because is is that him saying he's going to select them without saying that? Like, well, you would wonder. I mean, the, the the mixed messages that we got from the interview was at some moments, you know, Bill was saying stuff like you hire people and you trust them and you allow them to get on with the job. And if if that's if we take that comment out of uh, out of his interview. Uh, you could be quite optimistic. You can say perhaps a lesson has been learned here. You know, he's going to let Magilton pick who he thinks is best, and unless he has any serious objections, he'll he'll endorse that decision. Now, Jim Magilton has an excellent football pedigree, so you would have to have some confidence that he'll pick the right type of person. Um, I just wonder, you know, why you would why you would go against a Jim Magilton recommendation when you don't have that expertise or knowledge of the game. Um, you know, we have to remember, like, uh, directors and, and, and chairmen and e even fans, but directors particularly, they make a huge error 
if they think they can second guess a manager or a coach, you know, with years of experience, qualification and a playing career. I think when, when you are a director or a chairman, you've only ever got one decision to make on the footballing side. It's that do you do you back the manager or do you sack the manager? You should never get into the micromanagement of the team. You should never be having a conversation where you're suggesting you should play one player over another. I think if you're if you're down to that level or you're doing that, you're no longer trusting your manager and you're undermining his authority. And when you undermine a manager's authority, once again, as Steph probably knows, uh, it, it, his confidence will ebb away and the team's performance will, will suffer as a result. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with that. Then, Ken, just to come to the tough question then, and we'll let you go because I know you have to do a recording tonight. Um, of the list of names that's out there at the moment, who would be, who would be your pick, I suppose, for this job? Well, usually that's a question I'd be quite happy to answer because you know you'd you'd have your personal favorite. It's always a moment of of um, of you know uh, it's always a key moment you know when, when whenever you've got options as a manager. In this case, I think you've silenced yourself there, Ken. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't want to tell us who he picks. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's hiding who his managerial appointment. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. I thought that one might go on into autopilot there for probably. For <laughs> well, it's just the deck starts in and removed your um, opinion from it. Pardon? I said I thought the dead star just came in and removed your opinion for who you could it, pick it, as manager. It, they have that control, I think. It could it could be a, a circling peak six drone that's just not. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is, you know, normally that's a big big decision. People would have managers that they'd be very confident would bring success. I think we are in a unique situation now in that uh, really we need to know that the sovereignty of the dressing room is going to be respected. That's a bigger question than who is going to manage the team. If the chairman is going to continue to want a direct input into the dressing room, I think you can put anybody in there and they will struggle to succeed. I just, I, I, I think we've, we've given it a chance. We've seen this run as a natural experiment. Uh, we've we've seen a novice manager who didn't have a great deal of experience, but had a you know affable personality, try and work with this chairman and follow his guidance on who to keep and who not to keep and who to recruit and so on. Anybody, any manager of any ability, if he is being micromanaged, I don't think we will be competitive as a team. So for me, that's the much bigger question. Have lessons been learned by the chairman? And here, Jim McGilton is crucial as well. Can Jim McGilton restore a, the sort of breach that has been made in the wall of the dressing room and basically get it so that the dressing room is more or less off limits to micromanagement? Yeah. I think that is, that is a much more important question than the personalities that have been involved. Of those that have been mentioned, I mean, I know we have some players with League of Ireland experience. We have some players with Irish league experience and we have some players of uh, some so, sorry some potential managers who have who've uh, managed over in, in England really i mean i w- i would say you know if if Vinnie Perth who won a league and won a league cup and came within a penalty shootout of winning a treble and was a pro licensed guy with europa league experience if he wasn't good enough for you or wasn't getting the club where you wanted to go why not go up and match the ambition that you seem to want to do, which is get, get a manager with Europa League experience. Um, you know, if we are, if that is the step that Peak Six want to take, 
then that's what they should be looking for. I don't see guys who don't really have much more on their CV than the manager we dismissed last year um, as necessarily much of a much of an improvement. So all I'd say is from the names that have been mentioned, and apparently there are many more applicants than than have uh, merged in the press. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I there's none which I think are um, necessarily you know going to be that inspirational figure that well i mean some of them have fine pedigrees domestically but i would yeah. say to peak six if your ambitions are europe and you're going to continually talk about wanting to get to the round of 32 and the round of 16 then you know find a manager who's done that mm -hmm. well i think that's been their transfer policy too hmm. of bringing in people with european experience so i suppose you need a manager to equal and and guide them in the right direction then they have to have of equal experience yeah. would you say that i mean yeah like what's the point in aspiring to sign international players if you're then going to go for um somebody who 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 perhaps doesn't have the same profile as a manager now i know you know those such an appointment might be uh might be a bit you know shooting for the stars but what I'd really like to see is, you know, when the next appointment is made, that A, they're a serious person with a serious pedigree, with the appropriate qualifications, but also I'd love a wow factor here. You know, yeah. I, would, I would love Chris Shields to read who has been appointed and say, wow, this is really inspiring. And uh, I think that's what the squad needs. It just needs inspiration. It needs confidence. I think it's getting its confidence back. But it needs a manager who is or was as inspirational as Stephen Kenny was. And um, that's what we should be aiming for. Perfect. Think, Ken, look, uh, we won't hold you up any longer as well, because I know the guys are probably waiting for you um, for tonight. So, look, thanks so much. You're more than welcome on any time. And uh, we're enjoying your podcast too. So, um, sure. Cheers, cheers for dropping in tonight. No, cheers, pleasure. Th thanks for the invite, guys. I really love what you're doing as well, and I think they complement each other nicely. So uh, best of luck, and I'm happy to talk again anytime in the future. Cheers, Ken. Thanks, thanks Ken. Um, I think Gal Gally and Chris has another politician made on their hands there. That was... <laughs> I was laughing when he didn't put a name on it. I said, Steph's going to love this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get a word he, in edges to tell he him. Does make it, he made an interesting point. He does make an interesting point when you, if you want to go a level up. David Lennon alluded to it last week as well. And it, it, is, it is something that, you know, if anybody has the money to pay that kind of manager, it's us. And it, it, look, we don't know the CVs. We don't know who's in. We, we've heard some names. But look, it's it'd be an ambitious appointment if they did go down that road. It remains to be seen, but it's it's an interesting topic. I mean, for fans going back up to Oriel Park, it could be an exciting time. But I think I I, I do think like Jim alluded to in, a, in an interview yesterday, he is looking for a manager as opposed to a coach. So he is looking for somebody to come in and take that dressing room by the scruff of the neck. So I do think we will get that type of manager. I do think he'll make a good appointment. Um. Whether or not we go for the, what what Ken was saying and David last week, the Europa League le level, I don't know. It, it, I'm trying. I was trying to think as he was talking, who's out of work that has, mm. you know, really taught. Like, I can't really think of anybody at, at, at present. But look, you know, that's where they're taking their time on it. Maybe there's somebody there looking in the background that they're trying to get a, a you know, cross the team. I think that's the, the good thing if, if they're not rushing to make the appointment. Yeah, and the results at the moment seem to be. 
improving for us. I think that buys a bit of time to get the right candidate. Yeah, the last exactly. thing we need here is a rush. Now, I think Rory Higgins becoming available was just the perfect fit for Derry. Yeah. And I think they were they moved very, very quickly to that and, and made the appointment as soon as well. I was just interested, what what would you have thought with Higgins? Would would that have been a runner for anyone here? I don't I don't think so. I mean, again, he doesn't have his pro license. He he's on the pro license course, but he doesn't have it. I, I kinda agree that, you know, we need to get someone with experience. We need we need a pro license holder because that's whoever we get next is going to be under a microscope from day one. So we need someone, number one, that has the qualifications. And, you know, some some of the names that David threw out um, a couple of, when he was on last week seemed a bit outlandish at the time. But the more you think about it, you know, as crazy as it is, Roy Keane's name got mentioned, but who's going to motivate players? Like That's going to give you the wow factor. You know, just just going back to what Ken was saying, if Roy Keane's name is mentioned, that's, that's the kind of name that's going to give you the wow factor. He's got a point to prove. Dundalk have a point to prove now given the start of the season we've had Peak 6 have a point to prove because everybody's talking bad about them and their management now so why not someone like that you know um, that's just my that's my thoughts but yeah regarding Rory Higgins sorry Chris going back to your actual question um, I don't I don't think he's the answer for me and I know Stephen O'Donnell's name was mentioned and, and Pats are doing a great job right now but I think even even right now considering what Pats are doing I, I don't think that uh, Stephen O'Donnell or Rory Higgins would be the right choice for me. Yeah, I think the fact that Rory is is from Derry, he's a Derry man. Like I think it's it's good for Derry and himself to go there. I don't know if Dundalk might have been just too big for him too soon. Um, I that that's just coming from me. Like, but again, he doesn't have the pro license, so are we back to square one again with that? Like, is there someone's going to have to come in with him that has a pro, or a, or, no, or, no, he or is he okay? He's, he's okay. okay he's then. on the course. Yeah. yeah, he's on the course. Then, so still, you're you're going to be under scrutiny. Then you're going to be trying to qualify for Europe, improve performances. I think there won't be any pressure on, don't be any pressure on him at the minute at Derry because they've been so poor. Um. I'd, I'd like it's a it's a big building process there. I think they're like we're, whereas we should be further on down the line. We're looking looking for Europe, looking for challenging for leagues. I think they'll they'll be just looking to build on from like last year, improve from last year, and then he can get his own players in and get his own style of play. Because I don't think he'd have that time with the Nork. Kind of steady the ship for this year, and then look to build. Yeah, kind of yeah that's that's year. what. That's just the way I'm looking at it. I think we should be miles ahead of Derry in in current standings, playing wise, and everything. So I think he like it. It sort of suits him to go in there and, and build build it up from the bottom. So no Perfect. for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, we knew that before you found. Three knows and he's out. Then fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Gally, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, Gally, go ahead. Uh, when it was announced, I kind of thought they pulled the rabbit out of the hat here. I thought they really pulled a master stroke on it. But like Pingu said, it suits Derry. It, 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 it's a perfect fit for them at the time. It's got a three-year contract. I, I think he said he wouldn't have left the Ireland job for anybody but Derry anyway. So I, I just think it, it's great for them. Whether or not he would have even wanted them in the dark job, I would have highly doubted it. Um, just the way the things are at Oriel Park. I, mean, I don't think he would have wanted it. But um, I think it just suits him. Three-year deal. Ex-Derry man, yeah, look, I, I think it was just a perfect picture. I, 
I know they got that stuff done quick. I highly doubt that they didn't have this man to speak to him before Paul Declan lost his job. But um, I think I think it's an ideal it's an ideal fit for Derry. I I I don't think it, uh, at the time when it was announced, it's like we we could have got here, we could have got in. But the, the time and all, I. I I do think we need to go. We need to set our sights a little bit higher. Not necessarily in stature of Europa League manager, just someone with either a connection to the club or someone who's got that ability to come in and just say right. Because because at the end of the day, Rose never managed before, so this is his first gig. There probably yeah. isn't a better gig for him to get than the Derry job. So it, it just suits him down to the ground. It suits Derry. Yeah. Um, Richie O'Connor that message was for me not from any of the rest of the lads just in case you're wondering uh, on the reply back but look um, we, we'll obviously that'll be something we'll be talking about more in future episodes when we find out if, when when the rumour mill gets a little bit stronger about who's coming in but he's been waiting in the wings for, for the last uh, the last few minutes we're delighted to welcome a former Dundalk player who knows a thing or two about beating Waterford and score, scoring last minute winners Paul Smith how's it going brother alright lads how you doing Hey Paul. Sorry, how are you, Pat? Right. Thanks, Willie. Good to see you. Good to see you, Steph, Pingu. I haven't met uh, Chris or Andy before, but lads, nice to meet you. Good to meet Likewise. you. Good to meet you. Come here. Before I start, I, I want to just say that the concept of what you do is, is fantastic. I think it's really catchy and it's um, it's engaging. It's probably making more people watch the game so they can have a look at how you know what the reaction is as well. So, well done. Well done, boys. Thanks. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mehdi. First question, can you come on and say that every week? Uh, <laughs> well, we, you know, we just cut that in. <laughs> the, the, the first few weeks were a wee bit tough in terms, you know, the results were poor. Maybe the, the content was was more on the negative side. So the last couple of weeks have been more positive. That's 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 a plus. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I um, think we tried to just be honest, I suppose. Like, I know everyone was sort of having a go with all the podcasts being negative, but... Look, you're not going to sugarcoat things, and you just want to tell them as they are. So, at least the performances have improved, and so have the results. So, we're talking a bit more positively. Steph, your your five minutes of fame has been like about twenty minutes. Like you be, you're on the radio. Social <laughs> 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 media, you're, you're popping up. Yeah, listen, I'll send you my autograph later on, Smitty. I think I have it. <laughs> hey, hey, Smitty, he says, he says that, do you remember the night we went out on a tour in silence and Steph asked us if we could get him in because everyone thought I was Philly Hughes? <laughs> you have to get uh, Philly Hughes on. I can't believe you haven't had him on yet. So Don't want to confuse the viewers. <laughs> I wouldn't know which window was Pingu and which was Philly then, so I'd yeah. be all confused here. <laughs> Uh, Smitty, look at did you did you watch the game tonight? Uh, first and foremost, if you want to give us your thoughts on that, yeah, I did watch it. I've been watching Alden Dogs matches, lads. Lately, I suppose I got really into the League of Ireland the last, you know, the last while. Well, I've always been into it, but really been watching it closely in the last while. I think the English football is sort of not browned off of it, but maybe a wee bit less interested in the English stuff and what's going on over there, and probably you know got got a wee bit more into the League of Ireland stuff, and particularly Dundalk. Uh, find what's going on up there interesting you know uh, any publicity is good publicity as well so I know it was, it was, it was tough times and tough fans had maybe unhappy at certain part but it, it was it was definitely in the news and definitely in, in, in the limelight which is as I say any publicity is sometimes good for, for the league itself I had friends of mine saying Gee, what, what's going on up at Dundalk like so you know which they never did before um, so I, th- I thought tonight look at Khmer I thought they played a lesser team tonight uh, Waterford were 
if not men again boys, but they were definitely, you know, a higher Dundalk were a higher standard all over the pitch. Um it was good to get the win. I think it should build a wee, hopefully build a wee bit of momentum. There's two in a row. So that's that's how football goes as well. You can get you can get a run going two in a row. I think we're in again Monday night. So uh, you know, if you go is that Longford, lads? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You go three, you go to twelve, you know, you start getting something going. Do you know, I really think, I really do enjoy watching Dundalk a wee bit more on a good grass pitch. Um, yeah. I know you've brought it up before about the pitch at Oriel and like they've brought in so many good players. Like, you know, I know the jury's out on, on how they'll settle and how they'll, they'll pan out, but so many good players with good pedigree. And I think I think the pitch up there, the, the AstroTorf pitch is, is difficult for for good players, you know, to, to adjust to. And I think tonight there's a good pitch in Waterford and they looked more comfortable uh, in control of the ball, controlled the game well, got the goals at good times. But I still, look, at Khmer, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect, but it, it, it is it is getting a wee bit better. Um, I suppose that it's still hanging there around the management thing. Like, you know, Jim and Jitland, the boys are probably, like, I, I don't think it would be a big issue if they'd stayed for another while, especially just to get things right mm-hmm. and make sure you know, the next guy coming in is the right man. Like, and I heard you chatting before, but who is the answer? Who knows? Like, it looked it looked maybe two weeks back that it might be someone from up the north or maybe some of the names were mentioned, some of the guys up there. But I think it's someone that needs to be experienced and, you know, nothing mad, nothing crazy like before. Like, so just to settle it down a wee bit. You no, know, I can't. No, Pingu, that was a bit of a mad guy. <laughs> Are you ruling yourself out, Smitty? Yeah. I have no pro license, Pingu, so no, it shouldn't be even considered. But um, look at Khmer, um What about Tommy? Mo- Tommy Mohan. He's, he's not going to give up a good job with the Irish under 19s. Very true. Very true. But look at. It's, it's, it's nothing mad. It, it, for, for me, there's probably been too many changes. Like, you know, it's easy saying now, and it could have clicked and it could have worked from the beginning, but there was a lot of there was a lot of changes. There was a lot of players brought in. You know, in my opinion, probably there was a big risk around changing too many players and, and expecting them just to just to hit the ground running. It's probably no great surprise that it, it would take a while. Like so. Um but come here, there's there's an array of international players there, like and it's 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 exciting to it's exciting to watch like in terms of how it's playing out like I I enjoy I know I know it's maybe for you guys who are more hardcore like it's 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 maybe painful attack or whatever but funny I've enjoyed the not I'm not going to call it a circus but I've enjoyed the the ongoing uh, the pantomime yeah yeah so but look no, at that, sorry go ahead Smitty no look at I'm just saying it was good it's good to get three points. And you know, maybe if you beat Longford again, you get an, you know, we get going again. That's three in a row. And the football is like that, it's momentum. But um come here, lads, you're very lucky because he's had it good for a long time. Like, you know, there was a golden era, like and you boys are football fans, follow follow a team in your own town. Like I'm I'm from Monaghan and like you can only just love what you have up there, like to be on your doorstep and how many good nights, good days, good memories. And, and football's funny. It goes in circles. It doesn't always be. It doesn't always be rosy. Like, and you know, it was tough times for Dundalk previous to that, and then it came good. And sometimes it just doesn't always go your way. Like, so John Gill always said, uh, "Steph, a pat in the back is six inches away from a kick in the arse." 
and he wasn't far wrong either, was he? No, he had a few good ones. That was one I, I always remembered that one. Like he said, you're never far away from from a kick in the hole. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep you keep you grounded. But uh, Smitty, you're like an adopted son up here anyway, so you're like one of our own. Well, I don't know why, because I I, I probably didn't play. I played 50 games for the dog, right? 50 games, most of them for the last 10 minutes as a sub. But, um, <laughs> quality at, over quantity. Quality over quantity, but come here, I, I just connected with the dog a wee bit because I, I spent two years there, sort of floated around with Monaghan and a few wee bits I got, and... It, it, it is a proper football club. Like, there's proper fans. It's, you know, do you remember Steph the Thursday nights? Like, like, yeah. you know, them, there's probably no major increase in, in the attendances now than there was then. Like, you know, yeah. when, so it was it, over 2000, a, a good lot of them games. Is like, yeah, when we, were, when we were doing well, the place was rocking and you had some massive games against Rovers. Yeah. Well, well the first game I played for Dundalk was. I think it was either that was it was a milestone game of was it one thousand or two thousand game in Oriel Park, and we played Finn Harps first game of the season, and we won three two. John Flanagan scored a, you know, a header, you know, near the end of the game for the winner. John yes. Shawnee Williams scored a, a screamer to put us two one up or something, but like yeah. there was, there was three thousand people there plus like, you know, yeah, and you know. It's that was only what they put in the record as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was the rest was in the pocket. <laughs> but like you know, there were big nights. Like and, and when we went away from home, like there was loads of people there. You know, there was there was hundreds of people came along, and they were they were real. And come here, that you know, they sort of connect with different players. Like and I, I probably was you know lucky enough to you know to get in the right side of some of them and not there. So good. Do you know the only regret, Steph? Like you were there probably in Kildare that night. Yeah, and it was amazing. Like what what happened? Like was it was surreal? And I I be telling people sometimes that story because it's, but like the game is over, we're rocking across the pitch, and, and and it just just erupted. Like there was hundreds of people coming <laughs> running. Like and but you know looking back, like them going into the Premier Division for for me and maybe Steph, you could have felt like this as well. Like you're wondering where you'd be left with with the promotion. Yeah, um, if Giller had stayed in charge, I think he might have said, look at. He, he did say me, he didn't confirm, but he said something like, I'll bring you, you'll be in the squad, like, you know, and it would have been, obviously new players would have come in, but you probably might have hung on to the end of the squad or you might have been there, but it was just overhauled, basically. So yeah. it, it was bittersweet because it, it probably meant I had a leave on dock that time. So you had a medal and won the league and that's a big achievement, but it sort of meant that, you know, you had a, you had a part ways, like, as did many of us because, um, you know, I think I think only one or two lads were kept on that that following season. If I'm not mistaken, I think Tiernan was probably the only player, was he? I think Tiernan. Yeah, Tiernan. Just, just trying to think there, yeah. I think I think I think there was three anyway. I think Tiernan, Benno, and Benno. Well, Grimes, Grimes, he was there, but he it, went on loan straight away. And Simon Kelly was there. Simon Kelly, Simon. yeah, I was going to say yeah. Simon. So, like at the yeah. time, Tiernan, Tiernan was the next big thing. Like, and he was he was lightning quick, like you know, and. Um, it was it was kept on. I think they turned professional as well. So, Tierna was Tierna was lighting it up that season. Tierna's pace was just electric, wasn't it? Yeah, it was frightening. Like defenders couldn't cope with him. But I think Dundalk signed him up to a two-year deal himself and Grimesy. So they they were kept on. Like uh, sort of the famous story of um, 
Grimesy walking into the dressing room for pre-season and Sean Connor, Sean Connor turned around and asked him who he was like. Oh, mad, mad. Sean so, Connor, he, he did ring me like he, he said, look, at, uh, sorry, I'm not keeping you on. And he, he referred me to, to Monaghan, you know, so but look, at, come here. But it was good, good times, good times. Was Smitty, I know, obviously... You know, the comments just come in just about the Kildare game. So, I mean, can you go through the roller coaster of emotions at full time? Um, yeah. When, when, when we thought it, we just we hadn't got over the line and waiting for the result and the fans were milling around the pitch at that stage and no one knew anything. I suppose, tell us how it felt. If it can just bring you back a little bit before that, because we, we had a great team, Steph, there with a, with a serious squad. like, And we are probably... Odds on to win that, you know, to win the division that year, and it was all going well up till about five games to go, um, and then the sort of shit hit the fan a wee bit for one reason or another. And um, but John Gill, in fairness to John, he brought in a sports psychologist, Steph. Do you remember? Yeah, um, McNulty. Enda McNulty from Armagh, and he came into a room, and there was, there was a rumor that John had got sacked, and then it, he wasn't sacked. So they come into the room and um, John left the room. McNulty took over, and he just ripped the room apart in terms of like. What what's the issue? What's going on? And it, everything was put on the table. The boys are really honest. Uh, there was a flip chart with with, with different problems, uh, different solutions. And then there was a, there was a five uh, key targets written on the on, on the flip chart, like five key goals over the next five weeks or something like that. And uh, like we basically went on and turned it. Like all, all the bad air just when it was gone, and we we. We went, we won in Waterford, but then we, we we lost against Limerick. That was a bit of a blip. But then yeah. it's we, we needed a win and we needed we needed uh, Shelbourne to draw. So there was Robbie Farrell scored four goals that night. We we won very very easy. Like we won at a canter. So it was a funny feeling. We knew we'd won. So with that job done, um, and then the news was coming through. Shelbourne was one nil up, and it, we were getting the news. You know, I was I came on that night, but we knew all along. But but when we walked off the pitch, we, we thought that we just we'd fallen short, like you know, and we walked off. And I remember Giller Giller was probably under a lot of pressure at the time, and and I think the fans or some the security had sort of guarded him across the pitch. Steph, isn't that right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he, right. He thought he, they were run, he thought they were running after him, and he he sped up with the security men across you know across the pitch, and it was literally. Like the, the more, like it, you know the way years go by, you add on a wee bit. Like you know, it looked as if there was <laughs> a thousand people there. You know, there was hundreds of people there, hundreds of you know, and they all came running across the pitch. And like, honest to God, you just knew that night what it what it meant to fans in Dundalk. Like it it was it was like they were they were crying and and hugging you, and like it was it was a bit surreal. Like you know, and but it was a proud night. There was there was some good lads in that team, some good fellas. Like you know and. Um, I suppose that was the bringing the dog back to the Premier Division. It was a pivotal, pivotal enough moment, really, wasn't it? Like so, because it was hard to get out of the First Division. And if you look at Shelbourne, they struggled to get out of it that year, and 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 then maybe for a couple of years after. So it's probably a bit of a turning point that we were able to get out. Like, yeah, I yeah. suppose Shells haven't really got back to themselves at, at all. Really, like they've been sort of up and down, and yeah. Like I suppose the, the the team squad together, Smitty, like that's what sort of basically won it in the end, I suppose, wasn't it? 
well, as I say, like it was flying, like we were we were top of the league, like and you know, was Shelburne was 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 close by, and, and Waterford was there as well. It was one, two, three that 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 order or whatever. But the we we just took a dip, you know. It was a couple of bad weeks, and I think everybody panicked as well. And, and in fairness, like Giller, like was 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 a manager. He, he done that, and like we picked it up again. And like come here, we're probably lucky in the end. Like, but it was that's how you win leagues. It's not straightforward. Yeah. So. I think Smitty go even going back a couple of games before that, I think it was three games to go. Um one thing that Dundalk fans probably know you the best for in your time is the the eighty ninth minute against Waterford, um, which is why you're on tonight. Did you realise at the time how important that was? Because I mean if you didn't score that goal then we wouldn't be sitting here talking about the playoff game. You know, chances are that shells would have went up. Yeah, I think I think I think we did realise that was a big, big win. Like, you know, I think we did probably feel like Going down to Waterford, that put us top of the league. You know, put us back in the driving seat with 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 two more to go. Like I think, I think we actually thought that that probably was you know maybe enough to you know to win the league because we, we had to play Limerick at home, uh, and then we had to go away to Kildare. So would say we probably did feel that night that that was a that was a big one. You know, um, but look at as I said before earlier on, as years go by, things get more important. Like you know, you add on a bit of a story, but like you know. It's uh, a lot of people do mention mention that goal. Like it was on Twitter tonight with Dundalk, sort of recapping. It was Michael Rafter and it was uh, Jordan Flores, and and I got tagged. So, you know, so it was, it was great. Like that, it was great. It was it's good memory for me because you know to, to just be involved in you know such such a big night. Like you know, yeah. And then, uh, what was your favorite moment? Uh, the promotion aside, what's your favorite moment in a Dundalk jersey? Um, I, I remember that first night clearly. Like, I, I like come here. I, I played for Monaghan and, and a wee bit for Finn Harps and that. But I remember Dundalk was was always like it was always a big game for us, and it was getting up to Oriel Park. There was always a thousand people plus the, the matches, and it was like you know getting getting that move to Dundalk at the time was was very was very exciting for me. Like you know because I all as I said before, it was it, like it was a proper proper football club. Had fans done things right, even though like some would disagree, but definitely was a difference. It was it, it's a, it's a proper football club. Like so, remember that. Remember the first night. Like as, as I said, there was three thousand people against Ben Harps, a cracking game. Like and, and Flano's header going in, and the place just like erupting. You know, um, there was some there was some good moments. Like you know, but but playing with, playing with good players. Like you know, you, t- you met Flano, David Crawley. Sean Williams, Steph McEvitt, Steph McEvitt. <laughs> you know, so, uh, am I right in saying, Smitty? Too it was your first goal against Monaghan for No, I think I scored against Shelbourne. Right. I scored three goals in four. I went in a wee purple patch, like um, three and four, and uh, maybe that's you know became a wee bit of a favourite for the month or so, and then look, it dropped off. But. Um, Gaylor Bombay, but come here. It was it was a hard team to get into. Fairness, because as I say, like it was a first division squad. I'm not sure what the budget was, what Philly Hughes and the boys were getting paid. Like probably getting plenty of money, but um, you know, it was it was a sort of a team like you were doing well to get into it. Uh, and if you didn't perform, you probably you know you'd be you'd be you'd be back on the bench and not there. But uh, in terms of how good they were in comparison to now, like you, you know, there's not many boys better than Crawley, Vanigan, Aidan Lynch. Ben Owen Goal, Robbie Duns, they, they were, they, you know, Trevor Vaughan, good players. Trevor is a beast. 
Yeah, I think it's look. It's important when we do a podcast like this that we remember that team as well, and because that really was the catalyst for all the success that we've had since. Because as I say, if we didn't go up in two thousand and eight, I I would fear it'd be a long time. We might still be talking. We might be doing a podcast about a first division Dundalk. But um, Smitty, look, it's great to have you on. And before I let you go, um, you're doing great work with the Sean McCaffrey Foundation. Um. Sean, obviously a former manager of the club who tragically passed away in 2000 and uh, I think it was the end of 2017. Is that right, Smitty? Yeah, 2018. Like, 2018, yeah. sorry, yeah. Sean, and Sean was a manager of Dundalk and I suppose some of the fans probably look back and say, you know, he didn't have a great time at Dundalk. But that, again, that's football and it didn't work out. And he probably, you know, I think Darius mentioned one night that probably that team lacked a wee bit of experience. And I think that was probably true, like, but... He he brought he brought Chris Shields to, to Dundalk and John Mightney. So I think even young Ben McLaughlin was there at the time he went to Everton. So look at Camero it wasn't all bad. Um but Sean Sean had a big impact here in, in Monaghan, you know, like he, he was a mentor to many of us down here, including me. So when he died, I suppose a couple of things to remember his name, his legacy, and also maybe just to use his name as a vehicle to you know, help sort of local football structures and, and other little charities around here. So we've been going three years. We've donated up to about seventeen thousand pounds to various charities, mostly mostly to local football. Um, so we're still going even through the pandemic. It was it was difficult uh, to maybe fundraise. We normally have a golf classic and that, but um, we couldn't do that. So we're coming up with a couple of different sort of creative ideas around how to maybe bring some money in and. and and then some ways to, to to dish it out then when when the football gets going again, you know. So, but uh, come here a bit like you boys with the head in the game. It's 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 all it's all for a good cause, like you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great to see it, and it's great to see Sean's name remembered as well, Smitty. So so fair play with the work with that. If anybody uh, that's listening in or watching want to find out more about it, where should they go? Uh, well, we have a Facebook page, we have a Twitter page, we have a website which with a donation button on it. Uh, now, look at come here. I'm not we're, we we don't sort of be begging for money or whatever. But you know, if if you thought the work we do was good, we'd be more than glad. We're, we've run a few competitions online. For, we've actually got a Keeping Kelleher jersey now to be raffled off, signed a uh, jersey from the Champions League game he played in in this year, young Irish goalkeeper. So. Different things like that, and uh, we look at it's just 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 to keep keep it's, look it's to improve the game, boys. Like you know, I'd be quite passionate about. I'd love to see, uh, especially the league, league of Ireland keep growing, and, and and you know, I was involved in the underage league of Ireland, and I think sometimes our young people don't realise that they you know there's a profession you know professional league at home, and they're always sort of looking across the water. But uh, you know, as I said at the beginning, what yous are doing, maybe we're reaching out to, to more to more people and letting them know what the League of Ireland is and that's a good product and hopefully you know the, the, there's uh, the FEA come in for some criticism at times but Mark Scanlon's coming in now as, as as league director and I'd be you know looking forward to Mark you know making a making a good impression and, and, and bringing the league forward like you know yeah no that's that's brilliant yeah. Smitty um, well, look, we don't want to take you up any longer. You probably have a, a child of feed now at the minute, Smitty. So, uh, yeah. look, we'll uh, we'll get you on again, hopefully later on in the season, if you want to come back. No problem, lads. It'd be great. Come keep up the good work. Like, um, the concept is is fantastic. Well done. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Cheers, uh, Smitty. One, cheers. one more thing, Smitty. Just before yes. you go, David Crawley said, "Anne and Barry." 
Anne and Barry. There was some. There was some fun. Steph, uh, especially like you know, you had to be on your toes. You yeah. know the one. Give me the ball there, and there wouldn't be a ball like you know, or you know, not Megs, like you know, good fun. Class, top, top man, Smitty. Cheers. Cheers, Smitty. See you. Bye. Cheers. That's brilliant, lads. Look, I, I think at some point, if we get a free week, um, okay. we should probably do a 2008 episode where we try to get as many of the players from that team on as we can, and it'll be a bumper so episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steph's, Steph's not allowed on that one. He has to sit on the bench. Off. He has to sit backstage on the bench just to make it like when he used to be on the team. So, uh, listen, listen, if anybody injures, I'll make up the bench. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as I say, I think it's important that our, our supporters and maybe our younger supporters don't forget the, that that time was a catalyst to the success that we've had now and, and getting promoted, you know. Um, I think there's, a, there's a, someone, done, maybe it's David Lennon, I'm not too sure, should have asked him when he was on last week, but I think he's done a video of that night. He has, yeah. He, does, he, does, he yeah. documented the night, yeah. Yeah, so look, if any of the younger fans out there wants to look that up on YouTube, it's uh, it's brilliant. So <laughs> there you go. We get yeah. David back on, and then we get a few players back on. Look, you've already got this sorted for us, Steph. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, get the um, get the, the Nokia thirty two ten out, <laughs> and uh, get the contacts in it. Uh, well, look, we'll we'll go back towards the game before we talk about our big topic of the night, and we'll go with the man of the match. Um, Everybody that has been commenting has only pretty much said one player. Um, but my my pick for tonight, I'm going to go with Michael Duffy. He scored one, set up one, and I think uh, I think he made the the penalty as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. uh, so that so that's my pick. Look, I, I think he was the standout player on the pitch from both teams. So, uh, Chris, yeah, I, I think I kind of said it at the start, and um, that that Michael Duffy was definitely my. Uh, man of the match as well. I think his first half performance in particular was excellent and then to come out and start the second half and get the goal. I think that's probably what his performances have been missing and maybe he just he just needs that for his confidence too but I just thought tonight now he was immense so yeah, Michael Duffy for me too. Gally? Yeah, I think look, there's no, I don't really think there's a contest on it tonight but there's one <laughs> a few of them. Um, it's like Ken said earlier on yeah, like like Ken said earlier it's on, it's um, it's it's like watching Michael Duffy of old. He's not just quite there yet, but I mean, he's just close. I mean, when you look at Chris Forrester's goal for Pat earlier on, Mickey Duffy's goal earlier on was another screamer. It's an absolute thing of a goal, and yeah, look at we. I, there's no real. I'm really interested to hear what Steph's going to say, but I I can't see anybody. I can't see anything past Michael Duffy. And if he says Shields tonight, now after me saying Shields for the past while. Listen, Go on, Chris, Chris Shields has been just focusing on, on his own job and we've been waiting for him to do it all season. So, listen, I don't think you can really look past Duffy, to be honest. I think Chris is right this one this one week. So, I think this will be the only time he'll be right all season. Uh, I think we all texted in earlier to say it was going to be Duffy. So, I think he's just copying us now. So. <laughs> um. Steph, we let we let you announce today's winner of the, the pizza. Yeah, I think uh, this man took the uh, tracks it off me back in two thousand and eight. Uh, David English, I think we'll we'll give it to Davy English this this week. I had to walk home in a pair of shorts and uh, a jersey <laughs> under two thousand and eight <laughs> up in Oriel. So look, we'll give him a pizza and hopefully 
hopefully one of these weeks, one of them will send it and I'll slice my way. Big, big congrats, <laughs> Davey. We'll um, have, have to get Davey on at some stage to talk about it. Uh, Mac, Jason McAtee or Chase and Oriel Park for a tackle a couple of years ago. <laughs> I have to get Davey on to tell us that story. <laughs> no, yeah. Is that the, at the Liverpool Legends one? <laughs> yeah, McAtee went at him. Yeah. Just uh, just when we're talking about uh, about Steph getting robbed of his gear. Um, speaking of gear, we still have the bid for six hundred euro for um, for the jersey and the football. Uh, the proceeds go to save our Sonia. If anybody wants to make a bid, we've probably got another twenty minutes left, or even when we get chatting, it's probably another forty minutes. But uh, you have time until the very end of the show. Um, if you want to make a bid, just comment, tweet, uh, let us know before the end. Um, so I suppose that will bring us to our uh, our big topic of the night, Ask the Lads, which is going to be, again, we spoke about it a little bit with Ken Ken Sloan from the Men Who Save Football earlier, is the manager, or not the manager, sorry, the, the chairman interview uh, from another podcast. So this is this is the podcast episode of the podcast. Um, on the press box this week and in, in the newspapers, James Rogers interviewed uh, Bill Holzheiser and it was, it was very, it was polarizing within our, own group chat um so i'm just interested that we can we can talk a little bit more openly uh for everyone that's watching um so chris i'll go to you first yeah i think i think probably everybody has either read parts of the interview or or listened to it now at this stage so i think there was a there was a couple of real pick out points from it and some of them i think ken has probably mentioned earlier on they we've made a few mistakes and I've rectified them, but we won't say what the mistakes are. <laughs> so you can't own up to making mistakes, but not put it on the record what the mistakes were sometimes. I think one thing that, that, that I took that I was a little bit taken aback from, let's say, was one or two real standout comments. And the first one and, and I'll bring it up here on the screen for everybody. Um, is, is this one here that, that, that they don't care what people say and then, you know, to put the money up onto the table? It's as simple as that. You're talking to football fans. You, you can't talk to football fans like that. We don't have money to outbid somebody. So I think that's really, really unfair. It, it kind of, it kind of, for me, it, it nearly, he kind of nearly rubbished us slightly as if if you, if you don't have money you you don't have an opinion you go, you don't get to come to the table to have an opinion but then later on he said if you buy your ticket you have the right to clap or to boo so so which is it <laughs> yeah. would be my opinion um on that the another point i think was about when James questioned him about the um, disconnect with the community and that there was banners and stuff there that stated that, you know, they wanted Bill out. <clears throat> and he said he knew nothing of that. How does the board and the committee not know about that? That would surprise me because if something else was happening at the site of Oriel Park, they would know about it if it was, you know, potential damage to property or anything like that. They would know about it fairly quickly. So I think they would have to know about that. Now, I think you just have to own up sometimes and say sometimes what I do, people may not agree with and they have the right to, to voice their opinion. But to just come out and say, 
I don't know anything about it. I thought it was a very strange comment. Very, very strange comment. And then I think the, the other one that, um, that really got me was the um, anything is for sale. Anything, anything could be for sale. I think we talked, is Peak Six in this for the long run? Where do we go on this? Throwing out a comment like that <laughs> makes me worry that maybe they're not. Where, where are they going with a lot of this? So that was kind of some of the, the big call-outs. And actually, just finally, the other point was he did say that he still believes that um, we can win the title. So we questioned if, with all these signings, if this was to be a transitional period for Dundalk, were we challenging, were we not? We were unsure. Now the chairman has come out and said that we will win the league. So if we don't, or we're not there, they're about at the end of the league, can we now hold them accountable and say, well, you had a budget, you thought that we could win the league, and we haven't. And if we're not anywhere near it, like we need to have a, he needs to have a serious discussion about his role in, in, in Dundalk not being there, if that is the case. So I think he, he's nailed his colours. I'll give him that. He's nailed his colours to the mast of what he thinks this club should achieve. And I think, yeah, he's right. That's what we should achieve. But if if we don't, he's part of the board that signs the checks for this whole project. So where, where are we on that? As we, Well, I would say at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Gally, uh, yeah, Gally, we'll go to you next. Oh, I should go on, yeah. Um, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was one of those interviews that we, I said it before. It was, you're in the middle, you're caught in the middle. So on one side, you've got, it's great to hear from him. It's great to finally get an interview. And James Rogers is probably the only guy that's going to get an interview out of him. And then on the other side, you're thinking, what's he talking about? What, what is he saying? He's kind of so intermittent with his comments. Like the thing about the banners really frightened me. The thing that, Mm. I'd like to know I know he says he's not social media savvy but it's like it's like they're blocking it from him on purpose so are they has he been blocked on purpose or is he genuine he just doesn't read the newspaper so surely if he's overseeing a a board that is funding money through a hedge fund into a club surely he's got to be reading what's what's going on he he can't be that naive or maybe he is that naive which on the flip which on the other side of that is is even more worrying that he doesn't know about it Um, but just just some of the stuff he was saying, I get his points. I get like he made he made some interesting points about players. You're bringing in players, you know, who haven't had the best of stars. So you got, he he, he kind of referenced Jamie Vardy. He mentioned yeah. Golo Kante. He mentioned uh, Riyad Mahrez, albeit all from the one club and very well known to have come from kind of nowhere. Yeah, from kind of a rise to riches, kind of winning the league with Leicester, but. He did seem to know his stuff. He seems to be kind of well got on football. You know, I think most owners from America kind of, the perception is that they're not well well versed in soccer or football. But all of that good stuff is then taken away with, with comments like, if he had have said everything has a price instead of everything for sale, yeah, that would have been different. You know, like, of course everything has a price. But mm. it just doesn't fill you with much confidence that, you know, Basically, if, any, if somebody came in and said, look, here's a certain amount of money. Do you want to manage the club or would you take the money? And they go with the money. It seems that they would go with the money. And that's, that's, that's not what you want to hear. That doesn't instill confidence in anybody, whether it be us, whether it be the people who work there, Jim McGilton, 
Jim didn't sign a four-year contract there, or, or yeah. Pixie's going to be there in four years. We don't know. Um, so it is a bit. It is one of those that's. It's me personally. It's great that he's finally spoken out, but I would be worried on some. I would be I have a bit of a fear on some of the comments. Yeah, but look, that's 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 what we're we're getting used to that now. That's something we're just going to have to deal with. I think. Steph. Well, <laughs> where do you start on it? Like, um, I think he's like Chris said, he's contradicted himself a, quite a bit, and then on the banners thing, he sort of let slip that he knew about them, but then backtracked and said, he "Knew oh, about the you Italian me, one or something, wasn't it?" Yeah, yeah, uh, and also you told me about that earlier or something. He said I can't remember. Um, he started talking and like just going off on rants about how he'd sell his own house even though he liked to live there because he likes traveling like i i was like what is going on here with this whole <laughs> i don't know where he was trying to draw comparisons there like is he going to sell the club because he's going to move on to somewhere else um uh, like he he obviously wasn't going to own up to what his mistakes was but and he's and he said you know that's the, that's them rectified now. You, you would like to know what what he meant by that, and 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 the, the one player we let go that he thought that he thought um, should have stayed. That was stayed. a strange one, wasn't it? That he, he felt he only made one mistake and let one of the players leave. I don't understand why he would have just said that if he wasn't like why why say that at all? Because that's just going to create controversy in itself anyway. Yeah, like everyone's yeah. going to be speculating who he was thinking about. Um, then to draw comparisons with the two young lads and th- that have come in that went out alone that, that have com- recently come back with Vardy, Mares, and like the, them boys have signed with Premier League teams and have gone straight in to start with them, like uh, com- making comparisons with two American lads that have come in and haven't kicked the ball for us. I just thought that was off the wall as well. Um, I, I I can't understand. I don't. I I'm sure he knows about the banners. I don't. I I can't believe him on that one. There's no way he doesn't know about what's going on. If he if he's micromanaging managers, there's no way he doesn't. He's only concentrating on that. He has to know about the wider picture as well. There's there's no way he doesn't know. In my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you know from my point of view, listening to it because I was quite vocal in our group chat that I I I didn't enjoy it. But like listening to your points, it, it's good that he did speak. Um, finally, uh, and a fair play to him for allowing James to put a put the audio on, on the podcast uh, on the press box. But I I was left with kind of three big questions. Um, from the way I listened, to it. number one was he brought up agents and he said. There's a couple of very, very good agents that he has a good relationship with. There's been rumors all along about a, a certain agent or agency that have an office now in Oriel Park. I don't, I don't know that that may not be true. Um, uh, you know that that's a little bit of a worry if there's an agent that's in his ear and we're signing players just off off of the, the books of this one particular agent. That that's feeding into an agenda. You know what I mean? And if it's just one. One singular or two very very good agents. I just I, I worry a little bit about that. Another comment he brought up was about how the board has moved. Um, there's only four board members right now, and I know from my time involved in the club, 
and any club has a lot more than four board members. Um, there's some good people gone from the board. I was lucky enough when Peak Six first came in, I had a meeting with three of the three, well, one one current board member and two former board members uh, back in 2017, Mike Tracy, David Samhat, uh, and Michael Hughes. And, and those lads, and, and David Samhat and Mike Tracy in particular, um, are Peak Six employees, but they were in charge of the football portfolio, portfolio and they were lads who knew the game that they're on about. Right now, uh, Michael Hughes also, he was outside the, um, he doesn't work for Peak Six, and he had also, his consortium had a stake in Swansea at the time, so they, they had nothing to do with the Bournemouth uh, consortium. But these were three lads that actually had an interest in the football side of things, uh, and right now there's only one of them that's on the board, and, and, and that's a worry, because I believe the other the other board member that's a Peak Six employee is there in in a legal capacity. Uh, I think he's the lawyer the lawyer for the club. You've got Bill, and then I think Porrick McGowan might be the other a great fella servant that owes nothing to the club. I, I believe Porrick's on the board now, but it's it's just a little bit of a worry that we're we've gone from I think a board of seven or eight down to four, in, and it seems like in the space of eighteen months. Um, and then the other one is that he wasn't aware of the lack of. Uh, community engagement and things with the clubs and he very abruptly blamed Jim Jim McGilton for that um, but but, yep, but the, the, the blame for that he, he, he laid that on the doorstep of Jim and you know again talking about the last 18 months the club has the, there's people involved in the club that are trying to do good work right now and I want to say that first and foremost but in, in the last 18 months the club have lost a general manager Martin Connolly local the chief business officer, David Minto, another local. Um, Colin Murphy uh, stepped down as the club secretary. Um, Simon Blackmore stepped down as the, um, the club. He was, he was the person in charge of doing the licensing. Like, there are people that have been involved in the club for years. You know, uh, and this is this is the fear that I have when it comes to that community aspect is, uh, and these wouldn't all be people I always agreed with personally, but these are people that I know have the best interest of the club at heart. And you know, when we talk about community, you want that that's four big names, and, and there's probably others that we don't know about that maybe aren't as prominent that are also gone out of the club. Um, that that's a worry to me. And that would be a question is well, if you've got all these people that are that you're telling us are doing good work what happened to these people you know what I mean and I, I feel like James maybe at the time because this was a, it was a two hour conversation and maybe some of it was was asked off the record but what happened with the board what happened with the community like he, he, may, he may not be able to mention some of those people that I did personally um, yeah. and each case by case would have took up a lot of time but I mean with regards to the board and the community aspect and what I mentioned there like that for me is a big big massive worry I think I think the the only positive, in particular, that we've all probably mentioned in in one way or the other was that he did communicate. Yeah, and James did say to him, "It could be better if we heard more from you." And and to be fair to James, he did say, "We you know as fans, we don't need to know everything. There's certain things that fans don't need to know, but we do need to know that there is a plan. We need to know that." there is a vision of where the Peak Six want to bring us as a club and, and maintain, and that, that that is still on course. And I think that's what we're missing, is that sort of communication. Now, I know he did say maybe we could set up a 
ask the chairman pardon the app or something like that. I presume that was slightly in jest or whatever. But, you know, just even some updates more often would go a long way. It doesn't always have to be an interview. Like, like he's never even done a formal real sit-down interview with the club yeah. to discuss it. You know, that, that's, that's the sort of thing we need to know what the strategy is. Because then we can, like I just mentioned earlier, then you hold them accountable if that's not happened. But if we don't know what the strategy is, where, 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 how are we meant to know as fans that, that everything is going, is going well? And I think sometimes maybe there's a, what's the right way to, to put it? You know, he kind of it was so dismissive, I thought, in, in about the banners, like, is there a, we're only fans sort of a way, you know, and that's not fair because yeah. owners will come and go, us as fans, we'll be here. If, if we end up down in the first division, we'll be all still here again. So that's not fair, but, you know, we, we need to be treated with a certain amount of respect that give us whatever information we are allowed. And then we can say, okay, everything is going good here towards with no communication about the management leaving till four days later, previous. Like what, what is that saying to us as fans? We don't know. Only the Bill sat down and done this interview with James Rogers, do we know? But I think there should be an official outlet from the club to say, everything is on target. This is what we're doing. We're happy we're doing this. Yeah, we've made a few mistakes. We rectified them. These were the mistakes, and now that's rectified. We're, we're you know, this is what we're doing going forward now. That's yeah. that's all we're asking for. Is is to be informed better, and I think that's a good first step. But I think that sort of communication, it doesn't have to go through the media outlet. It can come through the club. That's fine. But just we know then what is happening. I think that's all we ask. Yeah, and it's, it's very simple. It's very, it's very easily done. It's not like like we're not entitled to know everything, like we were saying. But I think it's it's just a simple back and forth communication. Like you know, it's obviously everybody knows things aren't going well, but you know, it, it's I think I think it's worth when it, it's not that they're hiding. It's just they're not. It's just well, maybe it's a done thing. Maybe maybe that's not just not the way they operate. They just don't they don't communicate well. I, I I'm not sure, but and I know, you know COVID doesn't help that. Of course, yeah. yeah of course. The fact that he can't be here and do that, but to show that the fact that he's, you know, able to engage in a whatever it was a Zoom interview or whatever, that's fine to get the information across to us. And that's yeah. if that was a mode of communication for the next while, that's fine. We, we, you know, the whole world is adapted to that, so that's fine. We yeah. we can do that. He doesn't have to be here in person to do that, but perhaps when he is back over in person, we'll we'll get a better idea of the agenda. We'll get him of, on. Yeah, yeah. I think he was obviously listening a few weeks ago when he when he was talking about the supporters club and he'd have a Zoom call with a supporters yeah, club all set up and stuff like exactly. Yeah. That goes again the supporters club and it's the one thing we're bloody missing again. Yeah, Chris, sorry that I didn't mention you when I was talking about people that aren't in the club, but I know he was trying to get you back in for Europe. So, uh, <laughs> so so all is not lost on that one. But no, I suppose one other comment that he did make. Um, that worried worried me again was it's not all about money but it will be Mon- or money's not an issue right now but it will be uh, and that's that's a scary thought because that's that's ultimately what led to Jerry Mata's downfall in 2012 when you know at, at the height of the recession um so that, that that's a worrying comment 
that I think went under yeah. under the radar a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that's very worrying. And the other worrying one was that he said at the end that if uh, Shane Keegan was to come back to the club, he'd 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 hire him again. <laughs> I, chose to, I chose to ignore that one. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, that was actually know, that was actually something that I was wondering because he said they made mistakes or they paid mistakes, but uh, I don't think um, the management obviously wasn't one of them because he mentioned that uh, he mentioned that Shane and Felipe both left off their own accord. You know, so yeah. so so they they're staying. If they hadn't left, they would have still been here. They would have been he said, he said they weren't they weren't happy, so they left. Like oh, obviously you're hearing a lot of stuff that they're nice fellas and whatever else, but I think Keegan was put in the awkward position. Yeah. Uh, so that didn't help him at all. Like and then Filippo was the manager, but he's not really, and it was just a mess. Um but he was obviously gonna keep them on, but and and he said he'd hire them again if they came if they came back to the club. So I, I thought that was a crazy statement that like he's obviously he'd select them again if he had the choice and he and he would have the choice as well. It would make you worry about the candidates that I put forward to him and who he says no to. Yeah, like he's ultimately gonna make the choice and that and that's fair enough. Um but he's like the way he worded it was just so unusual that he was just gonna tell Jim who wasn't gonna get the job. So that could yeah. be everyone like Jim Suggest that, that could be everyone, and then he'll come in with his own suggestion. Which yeah, so if Jim, be, if Jim yeah. finds the ideal candidate, brings him to Bill and the board, can Bill just say, No, we don't want him? But I thought Jim's whole role was to find the most ideal candidate for the role, yeah, because he, he contradicted himself by saying, You know, you hire people and you just let them let them steer the boat. You don't. You don't start trying to steer the boat if you if you leave someone in charge of it. But just that just comes across like he's he's gonna do that by telling Jim he's not gonna he's not gonna have the final say on it. He might not get his candidate if he wants. Yeah. I suppose. I, I wonder is that kind of a little bit of a pot shot at Jim saying don't don't pick yourself. You know, I, like like you you don't know like the Jim say maybe he'd hold on to it till the end of the season or something like that. But he's obviously got a different job remit. But you can't you can't be manager yeah. and be be a director of football. So it mm. it could be you know that that could be kind of like a warning to him like don't don't back yourself here if you get a couple of wins could be yeah, yeah. yeah. it could be more if you're Jim would you want the job if you're Jim would you want uh, to I don't see what yeah well I uh, oh it's tough that's a tough question if you're Jim the Jilton I, I would stay where he is yeah because like we said earlier there's no panic from him to go anywhere but if he's going to have to do everything else off the field that's mm. That's the tricky bit. That's that's what I, I did. He's definitely capable of doing the job. I, I don't, you know, there's no, there's, I definitely a man motivator. We've seen it, but I, I don't think, I, I can't see him doing both. I can't see him doing, I, I just don't think it'd work with the club or ass. I know we've got Stephen McPhail in, in Shamrock Rovers, which he's director of football. But I don't know if he does the hire and fire. And so if he's on the bench with Stephen Bradley, does he fire Stephen Bradley if it doesn't work? It's, it's a, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, no, I, 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 it's, it's a strange one. It's one of those. It's, it's very, it's an odd one. It'd be hard. It'd be hard yes. to do both. Yeah. Someone said to me that Magilton got down to the last two or possibly three for the Northern Ireland senior job. Um, when was it Barraclough that got it that time? Barraclough, yeah. 
he, um, he was on he was on a podcast out here talking about that. And and so how long ago was that? Six months ago, maybe a little yeah, bit more. It wouldn't have been too much too long ago. So, yeah, but sorry. And then, and then he, yeah. so he subsequently got the the other job. Then after that, um, so the, does he does he lose the hunger in that short pit space of time for manager? Being the manager, is he is he going to play it out a little bit? And if the ta- if like they've they've picked a nice time to come in, I suppose, with the run of games we had, I know draw it as a derby, it's a tough game, but you're at home. Waterford, arguably the worst team in the league, along with Longford, and their next two matches. So if he picks up a few wins, does he start thinking, you know, maybe maybe I'll take this on myself? If if he does, he's going to have to give up his four year contract, though, isn't he? That's the thing. That's what I was going to say. You yeah. know, he, he's, that's an odd one. So what are you going to do? You're going to sacrifice your job security for, for something else. You know, because if he takes on that manager's job, he's going to have to renegotiate and you can be guaranteed yeah. the club is not going to offer him a four-year managerial contract. And then on the other side of that, so I think you've got, he's got a four-year contract if he signs a manager and it's on, it's on his neck. The manager doesn't walk away he might get another crack at a manager, but then what happens if we lose that manager? If it doesn't work, does Jim's job come into it then? He's after picking two managers. Because now all the staff in Oriel Park are under Jim. All the coaching yeah. staff, right? You know, from everybody, Stevie's, the youth, the youth system, they're all Jim Magilton's now. So there'd be no hiding spot. So that's the only thing. It, that could be a good thing as well, of course. But mm-hmm. something just to bear in mind. But just... I suppose that's another thing is I don't think you can be a, an academy manager and also be an assistant manager for a first team. You know, he's Stevie's been brought in in a full-time role. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's, th- there's a lot of things you have to weigh up or they have to weigh up if they go for it, you know, and if Stevie steps away from the role where it looks like a lot of investment's been put into the academy, that, now what? You, you know, um, that, that'd back be... Back, thank you. Yeah, I might. Uh, I might bring Steph in with me. You can run. You can run the women's game. Right. Chris, you, you can be the official videographer for the for the academy. All right, deal done. Job yeah. done. Um, all got to jobs back. I like this. Yeah. So sign off on that. Well, I, I thought with two guests we'd have a short episode tonight, but we've actually ran over for longer than the last two. Um, let's let's move on because I'd say we'll have again as always we'll have more to discuss on the manager stuff in the coming weeks. Um, Looking, looking at the table, Chris, do you want to just pop that up there? Yeah, it should come in. There we have it. We said every week we're going to keep popping up one one position at a time, and that's something I've got right, Steph, so far. Um, we've gone up yeah. again after this game. Hopefully a win, uh, a win against Longford, and we'll go up another one then next week or on Monday. But yeah, as you can like, see, we're sitting sitting comfortably in mid-table, ready to pounce uh, on, the, on, the, on the others. You've got... Yeah. Pats and the Tramps up at uh, joint top. Sligo in third place. Finn Harps on 11 points and fourth. I saw, um, who do you call him? Ollie got sent off tonight. Um, ourselves and Drogheda are playing out for, for fifth and sixth at the minute. Derry sitting on seventh. Bowes, Waterford and Longford then propping up the rest. So it's just look at it, it looks a wee bit better than it did a couple of weeks back, lads, when we were down third from bottom, uh, or second from bottom, sorry. Um, so let's let's look ahead to the uh, Monday night because there's a full full round of fixtures. We play Longford. Um, you'd be hoping we build on this this game, uh, the last two games, and get go go out and get another win, especially with the run of form that Longford are on. Uh, Gally, what's your prediction? 
Um, Seeing as you got I, it right, I, you got it right. I got tonight. a bang. On, I got a bang on the money tonight. Um, I'd mad I didn't go to the boogies, but uh, gambles lately. But uh, <laughs> I, I think, I think there's another three or four in the limit. I don't. I think if we if we don't concede, look, I, I keep saying it every week. Conceding is a big thing. We, we don't be dropping goals. I, but I think I think we'll win by two. I don't know the, the score line. I should not, we call it two 0 I, I think we de- we definitely win by two no matter what happens. I think I think we're, we'll have way too much for long. Way too much. Chris, um, I think it'll be slightly tighter than that. I think uh, Longford have a couple of goals in them. Um, I'd be looking for a clean sheet for the past few weeks. I got it tonight. So that's that done. I'm going 2 1 to Dundalk. Steph? I'll go 3 1. Um, I think we showed a lot Wait, more promise. Check with Steph. Is that 3 1 to Dundalk? Because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 3 1 to the town. Yeah, 3 1 Dundalk. Still not clear. Uh, I, I think when, when on form, Michael Duffy is. One of the best attackers, if not the best attacker in the league. Uh, he was showing very strong glimpses of that tonight. And if he's on form, I think we'll be very dangerous going forward. Um, yeah. You just you just have a slight worry at the back still. Even tonight, we could have conceded too easily. Uh, so I I don't know. I th- like We still need to bring in a keeper, in my opinion. So uh, I'd be worried about the back a little bit. It, it is a... It's a lot better, a bit more stability, I suppose. You can still see some of the some of the moments where you're sort of holding your breath a wee bit. So yeah, I'll go for three one. I think we'll concede one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall out with Dara Doyle, Stephen Maher, and uh, Kieran Burke. Now I'm getting banned on between the stripes. I'm gonna say we're gonna win four two. Um, just looking at Longford, they can't uh, they just can't get get a hold of it yet you know and I think there's goals in us I think we saw it tonight um, hopefully hopefully McMillan's alright but I expect Junior Junior or Miss Dogan are probably going to start a striker I'd say on Monday um, just because it's so close to tonight but I think I think there's goals in us uh, so I, I think we're going to bang in a few or I'm hoping we're going to bang in a few um, and I also think we're going to concede a few too you know I think it's going to be 4-2 but it's not going to be a whitewash of a game either I think it's going to be uh Close for close for stages, is what yeah. I'll say. I think, I think if Junior, I think if Junior gets the nod up front, and he, like we've seen tonight, his pace is sensational. Like he was in twice. I think if he can get the run up front and get the run of the two centre halves, he could run right. Like he hit two at that loan, the friendly at loan during the week, didn't he? Did he play up top and in that game? Yeah, I think he had two, yeah, he had a brace, yeah. So I think if he gets a run at us, we could be looking at him scoring. Two maybe at least one, but I, I think I think he could if he gets a run at it. I think he could be it could be a big handful now on the night. Who is this man? Where's Gally going? <laughs> well, what he played on the right, he, like he's not a footballer. He's he's a proper striker. I think I think he's a, he's that kind of player to play him on the right. But Stogan's actually a better right, better right winger than him. Um, I, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't come into it when he's on the right hand or the left hand side. He just doesn't play. But for me tonight, we've seen his best half whatever he played tonight. Exactly what he was brought in for, in my opinion, what he should have been brought in for, just pure pace. He just he, he made bits of the two boys when they got the run on him, and that's exactly what he saw. The problem is, if he's out in the right, he's made, he's running fast, but the fullbacks are chasing him and they're catching him, and he he just hasn't got the brain to go around him. So I think one on one, he might need five chances, but he's the Andy Cole, he'll definitely get one, I think. And he, he, Monday night could be his night. Obviously, we hope Dave McMillan's uh, a fit. Dave McMillan is obviously better, but if not. 
junior up front for me, yeah. Steph, are you worried that your crown's going to be taken off you for your prediction? What was? What have you got? Two right in a row, and now Galley's got one. Pingu, let's not talk about it. I had a big one, three nil. I nailed it, three nil. Like <laughs> three nil, yeah, that's all right. I nailed the last two, so don't worry about it. Ah, but only one and two ones and stuff. That's not anyone called. Yeah, that. but look, look, your prediction you, table. I think next, lads. Listen, Galley. <laughs> listen, Galley. You said three nil the last three or four times in a row, so if you're going to happen enough darts. <laughs> Yeah, you're throwing, yeah, you're throwing that's off okay. the arch, you know? A win's a win's a win. Getting it right, getting it right. Doesn't matter how many times you get it wrong. Yeah, you're right. The masses are you following you know, on the comments, yeah. Gal. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't even put in a prediction, a, a score line. I just think we win by two. It, it's, it's up in the air whether it's a goal or a game, but I can see the goal. So if it's four two, so we win by two. And then you said, well, if I have to, all right, two nil. Ah, what well, should we call it two nil? I can go for five three. There's the politician <laughs> Ted and him coming now. <laughs> So uh, I'll put in 2-0 stroke 5-3 Yeah, because I'm, I'm praying for a clean sheet So it has to be 2-0 It's, a, it's either going to be 2-0 or 5-3 It's not, yeah. nothing else yeah. if, you, if you want a clean sheet, Gally And you want to win by 2 Then it's, obviously it's going to be 2-0 It's going to have to be 2-0, yeah <laughs> um, This is why you well, didn't look, make today yeah. You know, this in, in Pingu's new shake-up in Oriel Park, pal Yeah <laughs> <laughs> so He's not talking to me now after that You see, Dad that didn't went over his head. Uh, well, look, we, we'll try. Uh, we'll try keep this under an hour and forty-five because this has ran a bit longer than we yeah. than we than we hoped. Um, thanks everybody for watching. Before we finish up, uh, Gally, do you want to announce the winner of the? We of haven't the had any more bids tonight. Is that official? I don't, I, I, I don't know if we want to leave it. No I more. I don't think there's been any more bids. I'm just going to check because I'm on my phone here. I don't think yeah. I've had any more bids myself. Um, just so winning bid. Oh, go on. Go on, go yeah, on. I was just going to say, just while you're checking that, just want to do a wee shout out to uh, our old pal, John Flanagan, who's recovering after a wee operation. Yeah, his appendix nearly bust the other day, so he's lying up at the minute. Oh, wow. I'm sure I'm sure he's listening to us uh, waffling on, so get well soon, pal. We'll get him on. That's LMFM's lost there uh, for a couple of days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think they're Darius looking for somebody. Yeah, yeah, they got Darius Paul in. Smith, but... Yeah, Paul Smith on. Yeah, Paul just speaking Smith. of that, yeah, the Rocker Strappers are at it again. Uh, Darius was on the on commentary today for the Drogheda game. So, again, just someone comes on, I guess, the rub from us and they, they get themselves <laughs> noticed, you know. So, I'd, I'd fully expect Smitty to be doing some, something uh, next next week at some stage. But, yeah, so I think we have uh, we have the winner, do we, Gally? We do, yeah. The, the winning bid is, is still from last, it's still the 600 euro uh, from, by Colin Casey. So, Colin, if you contact the group, you can contact myself, you can contact the town podcast, or you can contact uh, Catherine Bells, and we'll get it delivered to you whenever it's convenient. So congratulations, you've won the signed ball and the signed jersey, and all money goes to save our Sonia. Yeah, well done. Well done, Colin, well done. and fair play, everybody. Um, so that'll wrap us up for tonight, lads. Um, just a, a big thanks to Ken Sloan from the Men Who Save Football podcast for coming on, and Paul Smith, ex on the Oak FC player um, first division winner like our very own Mr. Steph um, join us again on Monday night uh, at an earlier kickoff time of 5.45pm so we'll be on a little bit earlier too uh, we, pro- we might actually well we might see if we can leave it later because Steph was giving out about all these early kickoffs so we'll see uh, we'll see see what happens on that one but um, thanks very much for joining us folks uh, hope, fingers crossed for a win on Monday and we'll see you right after the full time whistle Thanks. Come on, the turn end. No fats, no power.